warning. The Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. If you think you may be too weak to withstand the manliness represented in the following program, please do yourself a favor and stop listening now. If you choose to continue in spite of this warning, if at any time you feel yourself overcome by the manliness, stop immediately and consult your closest medical professional. And now, for the not-so-fair, faint, or frilly, we present The Catholic Man Show. And welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We are on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting in studio. My best bud, David Niles. My best bud, Juan Posada. Best bud, Jim Spencer. E, Mr. Tim Staples. I'm not your best bud. The <laughs> Tim Staples. How about that? E the E the Tim Staples. I try to I try to throw in a little Spanish every once in a while, and and the E is is the one that I, I throw in. Go. And Tim Staples. How well, you doing, bud? Hey, I am doing great. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. It's great to be here, man. I can't believe though it's one o'clock in the morning. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> We're just still I'm, drinking. I'm joking. <laughs> it's not one o'clock in the morning. Right. Uh, Tim, you just had you just gave an awesome talk here in Tulsa at St. Bernard's on "Behold Your Mother," your book "Behold yes. Your Mother." Eche right Mater. Here. Yes. Eche, behold your mother. Above Cam. Okay, right there. There you go. Uh, and I, we thought we would just kind of expound on exactly what you were talking about, like kind of just pick up where you left off. Absolutely. Because there's like there's a lot of things we could talk about. Regarding our mother. Are you extroverted or introverted? I am terribly extroverted. Yeah. That's what actually. I thought, actually. Yeah. Just yeah. by observing you on stage this evening. <laughs> so, but it's weird, though, yeah. because a lot of Catholic speakers Some are actually Some might say annoyingly extroverted. But no, but yeah. a lot of them are, like, introverts. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Catholic speakers are introverts. That's true. It's, yeah. it's so very, we, we Trent, were, Trent Horn is, is much more introverted. Oh, yeah. Well, we were at a conference yeah. in Ohio with him and Mark Hart. And they were both talking about how they're very mm. introverted. Yeah. And that on stage, it's no big deal because yes. it got everybody at an arm's length, you know. That's and right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm actually, I would say I'm a bit odd when it comes to that. Because Carl Keating, for example, was very much the in- introvert. Um, a lot of guys that are really good at apologetics mm-hmm. tend that way. I'm kind of, I, I would say, out of the ordinary because, as Chris Check, our president, would tell you, I mean, I'm the guy who loves to go out and drink beer with the folks, and uh, mm-hmm. and I love to mingle. I just love to meet folks. I love going, and I'll go with Chris if if we're going to go meet donors anywhere in the country or whatever. I, I love doing that kind of stuff. I just love meeting folks. And on our cruises and stuff, Cy Kellett will often joke about how every year, uh, at least on the cruises, I, I don't go every year now. I go every other year, but I'm kind of mm, That's a mistake. For, you should definitely go every year. <laughs> <and> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when you do the tr- amount of traveling I do, I, I do need to stay home with the kids every now and again. But, oh, no, you just bring... You to, yeah, uh, bring them all yeah, on the cruise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But I, I'm kind of famous for my table because we, we try to sit and dine each night with a whole different crew of people. So uh -huh. you try to get to as many as you can. But my tables are kind of famous for being there, shutting the place down when they're, okay, you got to leave now. You got to leave. <laughs> it's time. That's you what know. we say. We're on a boat. We Where am I supposed to that's go? Right, right, that's right. We played closing time three hours ago. <laughs> but I don't know about you guys, but to me, I get more energized by hearing other people's testimonies oh, yeah. of what God is doing in their lives. That I'm, I'm getting holy ghost bumps right now, even when I say that, because I've heard so many testimonies of, of people, their lives changed through our little apostolate at Catholic Answers, you know? Just a little, say, little thing. This little thing we yeah. do. You know, you hear these stories of, um, um, you know, for example, you may have heard this. I shared it on, on the air, but uh, just a little while ago, I'm at a conference, and here comes this guy. He comes up. He's wearing a Roman collar. He's with his mom, and he says, uh, Tim, I was signing books and stuff, and, uh -huh. and he came up with his mom, and he says, and honestly, when I looked at him, I thought, oh, my gosh, I've seen this guy before. I'm good at that. I'll remember. Fa I don't remember names, but sure. I, I know. It's like, okay, I've seen this guy before. It was one of those deals. And he says, uh, you probably don't remember me. But he said, I came to a mission that you gave. This was back at St. Pius V in Buena Park, California, back in 1994, 25 years ago. One of the first missions I did after having become a an apologist and i remember it well because it was one of the first and it was really well attended amazing and and uh, um actually you'll, you'll be interested in this out of that um we had a packed church for four nights in a row it was phenomenal but uh ray negretti who brought me in there he came up to me afterward and said tim this has been phenomenal man we've never seen crowds like this this is what do we do so I, I encouraged him. I said, start something. Just start anything. Start a men's group. Start an apologetics group. Anything. Just meet at least once a month. Mm -hmm. and keep it going. 25 years later, they're still going. Sweet. That they're is still awesome. going. But catch this. So all, all the way back when, this fellow with the collar on tells me, I was there, Tim. I came to one of your talks because my mom, who was standing right next to him, she dragged me. I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. I had left the Catholic faith. I was an evangelical now. I rejected Catholicism. I don't want to hear this Tim Staples guy. But <laughs> his mom kind of dragged him, and he said, okay, he's, I'll come. But he wrote out 21 reasons why he's not Catholic. Hmm. And so afterward, after I was... That's, that's pretty honest. Good. That's, that's pretty good. That's I mean, honest. isn't it? Yeah. 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 And so afterward, we stood out in the parking lot and talked for hours. And you just checked each Check, one Just off. went down. And I don't know how far down the list we got, but he said, but at the end of that night, he said, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> and he ends up coming back to the Catholic faith and six months later heard the call. And he, he was there with his mom basically to thank me. His name now, he was a transitional deacon then. This was a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, now he is Father Ken Geraci of the Fathers of Mercy. He's now crisscrossing the country with Father Bill Casey and the crew mm. from uh, Fathers of Mercy. But the reason why I bring that up is it's absolutely, um, it's uh, just, it's, it's a mind blower. Knowing the knucklehead that I am, and I know what kind of knucklehead I am, 
and my wife my, knows. Yeah, I was like, if I, and if I forget, I just ask my wife. That's right. <laughs> and yet God has used me and and we at Catholic Answers and you guys as well. I mean, it's it's absolutely astonishing, isn't it? That. God uses us, but you know what? God wills to. He wants to, and he he wants to use us more, especially as Catholic yeah. men, to reach a generation that is desperate for love and for truth and for reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reality. And just kind of what you're talking about, one of the testimonies or reasons I know that's true that God uses even in a poor instruments like us, sometimes we'll record an episode and we'll think that was the worst one we've ever done. But then we'll get more feedback, you know, on this terrible episode that we recorded and And I had no choice but to publish. God loves that. He loves doing that. And we get these emails like, this this helped me out so much. And I was like, really? Because... Like, I listened to it and I was right. It is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But that happens. That's God's grace, man. He chooses, right? To use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, the weak things of this world to confound the strong, mm-hmm. says St. Paul. And of course, we try, we do the best we can, and we want to be professional and all that. And yes, we're all about that at Catholic Answers, but the, in the end, we also realize that it's totally the grace of God, isn't it? It's totally God's grace, and it's totally us, mm-hmm. because we do have to put the uh, the effort into mm-hmm. it, but praise God for His grace. Amen. And... Praise God for beer. Mm. <laughs> because uh, the first segment that we do, we always highlight a, a, a beverage. So we're having a, a... Actually, so Dave, the the beer that we're having right now is homemade chalk beer down in southeast Oklahoma. And yeah. I had some. And it's good. Yeah, it is, it is good. It refreshing, looks refreshing, man. It almost looks clear. Yeah. Dave, throw that in the Bev cam real quick so they can see it. But it almost looks clear, yeah. but it is extremely refreshing. It looks like ginger ale. Yeah, yeah it does. On the camera, it looks like water. Yeah, but it's 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 very good for a lighter, crisp beer. Refreshing. And and you're having a, a wheated ale. Yes. A nice wheated a ale. A wheated, wheated, wheated ale. Wheated ale. So uh, they didn't have my Killian's red. I'm, I know, I but wish, I'm over it. I now. wish I would have. Wish I would have known. I would yeah, definitely we had, had it. <laughs> yeah. So let's cheer. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Cheers. Are you gonna Cheers. give him a toast? You should oh, give him a toast. Uh, Tim, I raise my glass to you. I raise my glass in honor of your um, fervor and fire. May we all burn so hotly. <laughs> really? For Christ. For Profound. Christ. There it is. Okay. Because at the end, I was like, I- I'm not sure if we were going yeah, well, down yeah. to hell or if we're in purgatory. I Where are we here? Burn hotly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know what he said to me. <laughs> I'm not sure. Is that so one of cheers. those things where it sounds like it's a compliment, but really? Yeah. We're well, wondering. I was. I got distracted on whether "hotly" was a word. Whose feet are always already hot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. cheers, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, yeah, for whatever you know. They're yeah. not all winners. The thing about toasting. Yeah, someone. that's that's the thing about toast is you yeah. have to just throw it out there. A lot of times, you know, they're not always home runs, but that's right. But you still have to do it. You know what, guys? I got to say, I I love this the concept, the man show. I have the T-shirt. I wear it all the time in San oh, Diego. Oh, nice, sweet. I love it. It actually fits well too, by the way. Awesome. But I love the concept. Whoa. Uh oh. Our audio is very loud, but very we, loud. We'll, we'll get that fixed when we get back. We'll pick up on this. Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Good, good tunes here, man. Yeah.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Mr. Tim Staples. I mean, we're talking about Tim Staples. Yeah. Are you going to tell him that? So I uh, made a, I recorded a commercial advertising that you're going to be coming and speaking. Okay. And in the background, I kept going, Tim Staples! <laughs> <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> Oh, great. It was actually really funny. Uh, The thing about it, Tim, is that I'm the president of the Catholic radio station here. So I get to do whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. Uh, I love it. Yeah. And there's not even really a book. You know who's on the board? Adam and Jim. (laughs) And they don't care. I love it. Yeah. So anyway. I pulled over the car to figure out what was going on. Jim Staples. Anyway. Oh, yes. Uh, so, uh, the thing about me, Tim, the thing about me... Let's talk about you. ...is that I love Mary. Mm, so do I. Big fan. Yeah. She's just so awesome. <laughs> she's my mama. Yeah. Me too. That are we brothers? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> cheers! Cheers! Yeah, cheers to ah! Did we just discover something? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... But isn't it just that simple, though, guys? I mean... Oh, yeah. Jesus is our brother. Hmm... In fact, we're more than just brothers. We are members of his body. body. How in the world can his mama not be our mama? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but <laughs> it is hard to explain, you know, to Protestants. Why do you love yeah. Mary? It's like, well, I don't even know. I do this. Why do you love your mama? Right, exactly. <laughs> it would be like trying to explain why I love my mother to someone who never had one. Yeah. You know, I mean, it would be hard to do. You know what? It's paragraph 971 in the Catechism says, devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary is intrinsic to Christian worship, right? Now, that sounds off the charts, mm. crazy to our Protestant friends, but if, when you break it down, it's just the fourth commandment, brother, All right? Yeah. Mm. Honor your father and mother. Mm-hmm. That's not optional for Christians. Right. The Ten Commandments are not optional. They're commandments. Mm-hmm. And so because of the fact that Mary is our mother, of course... We need to honor her, and yeah. we need to honor her. I have to honor her more than I honor you. Why? Because you're not my mother. She is. Right. Right. You know, and on a natural level, I honor my mother more than I honor you, mm-hmm. because my mother wiped to my butt. You didn't. Yeah. And of course, more than that, my mom cooperated along with my dad with God in bringing me into this yeah. world. She gave you flesh. I have an obligation to her as long as she lives. It changes when I leave the house, but it's still there. In the same way now with the Blessed Mother, and we really see this in Revelation chapter 12, you know, I talked about in my talk earlier mm-hmm. today how that Mary's role in God's plan of salvation begins at the Incarnation, let it be, because without that there's no Jesus, there's no salvation. It continues at the wedding feast of Cana, Mary, through her intercession, launches Jesus into his ministry, the, the apostles come to believe in verse 11, as a result of Mary's intercession, it continues to the foot of the cross where Simeon prophesies in Luke 2, 34 and 35, that a sword would pierce her soul, that the thoughts of many hearts would be manifest. The same many who Jesus died for, Mary suffered for, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and catch that, mm-hmm. right? A sword would pierce her soul, that the thoughts of many hearts would be manifest. That's where salvation happens. In the, in the soul, I love the way uh, that, that text reads, that the thoughts 
ekpalonkardion out of the many hearts would be manifest. That's where salvation happens, in the heart. Somehow Mary's suffering, joined with Jesus, brings about the realization in your heart that you need Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, this is Mary. But that continues from the foot of the cross there, where Mary and, the, and her Immaculate Heart joins her sufferings with the Sacred Heart of Jesus and, and gives birth to all of us. But Revelation 12 takes that into eternity, how that continues the heart of Mary, the passion of Mary, her prayers for us continues to give birth to all those yeah. who have the testimony of Jesus Christ and keep his commandments, says Revelation twelve seventeen. So what you find, you know, what I found in as a matter of history, when I began to really dive into this and study this Mary stuff, is, <laughs> is my gosh, it's so deeply rooted in sacred truth. How in the world can you not have a love and devotion love for and devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, knowing this. Well, I didn't know it when I was probably, but when I discovered this, and biblically so, there is no other, I mean, that's it's intrinsic to Christian worship, of course, because it's the fourth commandment, and if you're not honoring, knowingly not honoring the Blessed Mother, uh, you're in serious trouble as as a Christian, just Mm -hmm. the same way if you refuse to honor your mother, on this earth, Jesus had some strong words to say about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, with like the Corban rule in mm-hmm. Matthew 15 and Mark chapter 7. I mean, God is serious about keeping uh, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, so on, you might on, die an early death, amen. Yeah. Right, <laughs> amen. So, on one level, I mean, it's so easy to see, but then once you really you dive into this on the spiritual level, it, it becomes love, it becomes my gosh, I love you, mom for what you've done for me mm-hmm. it, it's almost it's no longer yeah commandment you know honor your mother and, and father like when you're a child your dad has to remind you 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 better start honoring your mother i'm going to kick your little butt you understand me That's, but yeah. when you grow yep. up guess yep. what you don't need that anymore because you love your mom mm-hmm. once you start to realize what she's done for you i would suggest you a lot of catholics don't meditate enough and really realize what it is that mom's done for yeah. them mm-hmm. because they would love her all the more. Yeah, and, and isn't, it, isn't it awesome that the some of the greatest saints of our church had such strong Marian devotions? Oh, my goodness. I mean, what was... They, Saint Ignatius was going to go kill a guy <laughs> because he said... So St. Ignatius, right after he converts, yes. you know, he's in the hospital, he's getting better. He's on a pilgrimage to Rome. He and was a soldier, man. He was yeah. a soldier. He meets a guy on the way, and he's a Christian. He's like, oh, great, you're like the first one I've talked to, you know, other than the, the people who are helping me get better. And so the guy, he's like talking to him and he asks about Mary and he's like, yeah, well, the church teaches she's a per- perpetual virgin, but I don't believe that. And here's why. And he went on and on and, and told him and he was like, what? OK. And then they parted ways and he went on. The more St. Ignatius thought about it, the more enraged he became that this man would have said these things. And he said, all right. I have got to go kill him. <laughs> it's just what has to be done. And so he's sitting on a donkey, and he's like, all right, the road to where that guy went is coming up. It's a fork in the road. And he prayed, said, God, if you want that guy to die, I'm going to let go of the, the reins. Let the donkey turn left, and I'll kill that guy. I'll, I'll do it. Because he needs it. <laughs> but the donkey didn't turn left, and he said, okay. 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 
You got, I guess you got this then, yeah. right? Oh, awesome. Yeah. What was the uh, uh, St. Louis de Montfort quote about Mary? That, yeah, well, that was going to bring that up because yeah. he had a lot of bold things to say about Mary. He like, sure he who has not Mary for their mother has not God for their father. Excellent. That is a bold statement. It sure is. But profoundly I, true. I think it's true. Yeah. Of course, that, that, that's true because without Mary, there simply is no Jesus. You know, our relationship with Jesus is dependent. Look, let's forget about, let's talk biology here, all right? <laughs> Without Mary, there's no Jesus because she gave him his chromosomes. So, right. on a biological level, this is true. But in God's providential plan, of course, God chose. I love the way mm -hmm. the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 2008 through 2010, talk about how it's, it's within God's providential plan to include man's free responses in his providential plan for salvation. And that's what this really gets down to. Did God and does God choose to use a real human person, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and her yes to be the contingency, the linchpin, mm -hmm. before he would come into this world? And the answer is yes. The Bible is very plain about that. Mary said, let it be. If she doesn't say, let it be, it ain't being. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, it's so profoundly true. But in our lives, I think the Blessed Virgin Mary helps us to see our own dignity as Christians. It helps us to see the importance that we have, the role we have to play in each other's salvation. Jesus, the infinite sacrifice on the cross, he is the propitiation for our sins. As 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says, not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Absolutely. We agree with our Protestant friends there. But how does God deign to communicate those graces real time into our lives? Mary is the example par excellence of the fact that God chooses human persons to be mm -hmm. his instruments. She is the instrument, instrument par excellence. But really, ultimately, my friend, this is what shows us. Look, this is why we have these radical statements in Scripture like 1 Timothy 4.16 where St. Paul would say to Timothy, a young bishop that he himself had ordained, he says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, for in so doing you will both save yourself and them that hear thee. You are going to save yourself and others mm -hmm. by your cooperation with God. Mary's just the ultimate example of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? But don't we... You know, in a sense, in the Blessed Mother, see our own dignity as well, and that, and the daunting challenge it brings with us, bro. We were yeah. talking about early in the car the importance of friendship among men's, and let's get real about this this mm -hmm. Catholic stuff, man. Mm -hmm. We we need to let's get live vulnerable. It. Let's, get, let's yeah, let's 20, open up. We need twenty four seven to live this Catholic faith, and we need each other as well. That's yeah. what the Blessed Mother shows us. So, uh, speculative. Speculative theology is some of my favorite because no one can ever prove you wrong. <laughs> um, but it, I, to me, Mary, the incarnation was not a result of sin. The incarnation seems to me that it was always part of God's plan. Maybe it only required his suffering and death because of sin. God doesn't say, I'll put enmity between you and a woman. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman from the very beginning. Let's talk about that. Okay. Okay. So when we get back, we'll jump back into this conversation. I'm, we're here with Tim we're going Staples. Deep. We're going deep. Yeah. <laughs> Grab your flashlights because we're going deep. <laughs> we're, going deep. <laughs> we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Yeah, we're off on this. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to come back here just for the music. <laughs> I'll send you a track. <laughs> I just love the blues, bro. Oh, yeah. I was so encouraged. You know who Curtis, Curtis Slaves are. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sitting here with Tim Staples and David Niles. Enjoying a, a nice home brew from Sally's, Oklahoma. I like it, man. Yeah, it, I think it's good. I, mean, I do too. I mean, I, I didn't even know Chalk was a kind of beer. I thought it was, it was just the name of the brewery here in Oklahoma. But yeah, if hey, if you guys enjoy are enjoying the having Tim Staples here in studio with us, you can support us on Patreon. The more supporters we have, the more opportunities that we're going to be able to have people like Tim Staples on. Uh, you can do something like what well, I wasn't ready, mm. but. What you remember? Uh, Tyler McKee did, and he donated twenty five dollars a month, and is in the frontier to support the Catholic Man Show. So you can go to patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show to do that. Okay, but before before we got off the break, yes, you had some speculative Spe- speculative. We're going deep. Speculative. We're going kind of deep. a hard word to say. And I warned them. We're going deep. We're going, going deep. deep. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, Mary. Always the plan from the beginning. That's what I was saying. Right. And the, my reasons for saying that is because God tells the snake, the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, yes. not a woman. Yes. So what's your take on that? Yeah, well, this is an age-old uh, argument between uh, generally the Dominicans and the Franciscans and Jesuits. Mm, I hope I'm on the side of the Dominicans. You, I really like them. No, you're not. Oh! <laughs> Not on this one. Not on this Dang one. Dang it! <laughs> Although remember, there's many camps among the Dominicans, as as you you may know. You know, Garrigou Lagrange, who gets all the airtime. Yeah. Um, and his, Aquinas. There was this other guy. Oh, that, that you, guy. You might not have heard of him. Yeah. But yeah. He gets. But <laughs> but the battle, of course, is over what Thomas says. But just remember, the Spaniards, man, the the Dominican uh, Spaniards like um, uh, Francisco Marinsola, for example. Mm-hmm who debated Lagrange on predestination, and I think he took Lagrange to task. The Spaniards are big on Mary, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But here, here's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but here's the, the, the gist of it, though, is Suarez, um, Don Scotus, famously held the position that Christ, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, I should say, would have been incarnate whether there was a fall or not. Now... There are those who say, well, that flies in the face of our oh happy fault tradition that every Easter vigil, the priest, oh happy fault for what a Savior it hath wrought. Um, And I don't believe there's a a contradiction between the two traditions because oh happy fault is absolutely true, but that doesn't mean that the second person of Blessed Trinity wouldn't have been incarnate anyway. It would have just been an entirely different order of salvation or we would sure. glorification that mm-hmm. would have happened without sin. We don't know what it would have looked at right. like, but I don't, I don't see any contradiction whatsoever. So I'm with you on that, that I believe the incarnation and divinization of man, I go with Suarez uh, Scotus on the idea that it was the incarnation. And there's a, more than a hint of it in Revelation chapter 12. That was the occasion of the fall of Lucifer and one-third of the angels when God gave them the vision. And the argument is strong there in Revelation 12 because what do we see? The vision of the woman clothed with the sun 
Crown of 12 stars, under her feet the moon, she's in travail to give birth. Devil wants to, the dragon wants to destroy, but she gives birth. Um, what happens after the woman is in travail, all of a sudden you have one third of the stars cast out of heaven yeah. or what? I will not Where serve. That, I will not serve. That's right. Yeah. Where did that I come from? Serve, yeah. That's Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 20, by the way. Non serviam. It's the king of Babylon, but but it's been attributed to, to Satan. Non serviam. That comes right there from Jeremiah 2.20. Why? Because God reveals to the angels this is his plan. He's going to create these little squirmy creatures far beneath the dignity of, of the angelic natures, and he's going to become one of them. Right. And be and through that incarnation, he's going to exalt human nature even above that of the angels. And most of heaven rejoiced. Now, of course, the angels did not have the beatific vision yet because this was their testing. They, they, they see this vision, and they, they must choose whether to go with God's plan or not. And yeah. that's where non serviam comes from. Mm-hmm. Lucifer said, I will not. He could not stand the idea of these inferior humans be exalt, being exalted above the angelic mm-hmm. nature, and so one third of the angels fell with it, with him. But doesn't it, it just seems to me to fit so perfectly the puzzle in that um, the vision shows the center of God's plan is the woman. Mm-hmm. So who, when God then creates Adam and Eve, who does Lucifer go after in the garden? But the woman, the woman, to try woman. to thwart God's plan, and then when he couldn't, what does he do? He, oh my goodness, there's another woman coming, the woman in mm-hmm. Genesis three fifteen, because the devil thought he had won. He got her, you know. She took the fruit. I've won. Ah, nope. God goes right to yeah. Lucifer and says, "I will place enmity between thee and the woman, thy seed and her seed." So in other words, God says. You got the wrong woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's another Psych. coming. So what does he do? He tries to destroy Israel because that is the line where the seed would come from. Right. Yeah. And so he raises up empires from the Egyptians to the Assyrians to the Babylonians to the Greeks to the Romans to try to destroy, but he cannot, he cannot. God's always ahead of him. But it, it just seems to me this really fits with what we see in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not a contradiction to say, oh, happy fault. Why? Because the sin of Adam and Eve brought about a particular way in which God would be incarnate. Yeah. And of course, the passion and such that takes us, you know, we can, oh, this is another beautiful topic, but the fact of the fall and the sin of Adam and Eve that resulted in such great sin that scars humanity so deeply becomes the occasion where humanity can be exalted even more. Right. I mean, it's you could make the same case or the same argument for sin in general. When we commit yeah. mortal sin, then we go to confession and we have now an even greater level of grace. Amen. You could say the same thing. That doesn't mean that it was good That's that we right. sinned. No. We're but, not going to sin boldly. Right, exactly. <laughs> Somebody said that. Yeah. Okay, speculative theology number two. Okay. Mary was the recipient of, aside from Jesus, the greatest suffering ever to have lived and simultaneously the greatest physical joy, physical pleasure. Yeah. My theory, wow. <laughs> after studying theology of the body and the, you know, yeah. what is the joy, the pleasure of orgasm is intended by God to serve a purpose, 
to point towards him as yeah. all things as all things are. Amen. I have a theory that at the moment of the incarnation when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, yeah. no person has ever experienced more physical pleasure yeah. than Mary did at that moment. She was the only one Amen. pure enough to receive such pleasure. Yeah. And then, so that's part of it. And then after Jesus had ascended, she remained on earth for somewhere about three years, maybe. No one had spiritual dryness. I mean, I, I would imagine her desire, her, the way she would have suffered simply to yes. be in heaven would have caused more suffering for her than anyone else aside for the yeah. passion. Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18 says... He that increases in knowledge increases in sorrow, and he that increases in wisdom increases in pain. It seems almost mm. like a paradox, but it's not. Because we know this. The one who knows more and loves more, of course, hurts more. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, the mother who holds a two-day-old baby as it gasps for its last breaths, who suffers more, the mother or the baby? It's the mother, because the mother loves more. The mother suffers more than that baby has the capacity to suffer right? Mm-hmm. because of her love. And so Mary, this is the principle that undergirds the passion of Our Lady. Now, our Lord, of course, suffers because he loves perfectly. Yeah. He, he loves perfectly and infinitely, and you know, and and the fact that he had the beatific vision in his human nature from the moment of his conception is what, which is mind blowing just to think about. Yeah, uh, but it, it, you know, what's it even like? Yeah. Uh, well, Pope Saint John Paul, you know, Pope Saint John Paul in his, I think it's an apostolic exhortation on the coming of the new millennium, Novo Millennio Ineunte beautiful document where he talks about even in in the in, at, at the highest point of the suffering of the passion of our Lord he never lost the clear vision that he had of the father which was at the same time a source and this gets at the blessed mother as well though she didn't have the beat of vision all this some argue I don't know I don't it, think so yeah no 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 um, you know the beatific vision was at the same time a source of immeasurable joy but immeasurable pain as well. Why? Because because of the beatific vision, he was able to see in his human nature, each and every one of us experienced all the agony and pain of all of our sins and understand the effect, the full effect of that sin against an infinitely holy God because he had the beatific vision. So at the same time, you have joy and immeasurable suffering. Well, the Blessed Virgin Mary at the same time experienced a joy beyond any other created nature, and yet she suffered at the foot of the cross more than any other created Mm -hmm. nature could possibly suffer, and that's the source of her, as we've talked about before, the Immaculate Heart of Mary joining with the Sacred Heart of Jesus and bringing about the salvation of the entire world. But at least at the cross, she was still with Jesus. Yeah. You know, after the resurrection, she separated. Oh, yeah. Longing for. Right, yeah. Because she knew. She knew what was coming. Oh, my goodness. She didn't get, like, it's like, here's the candy, you don't get to have it. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that was that's uh, some really good theology and analogies for you by Adam Minahan. 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. We're on the Lord's mm, team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Mr. Tim Staples. <laughs> Talking about Mary. Amen, brother. And the reason Mary is so awesome is because Jesus. Okay, that's Amen. why. I mean, it's all about it's all about Jesus. It's all about Mary's Jesus. all about Jesus. Amen. You know, mm-hmm. she's just so, and that's why she's so awesome. Yeah, because she's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. She is. And Tim, we got it. Briefly talk about this. We got, there's so much to talk about. I mean, you could we could have a whole show that did nothing but talk about Mary, but th- her as the Ark. I think for yes. Protestants, whenever I uh, bring up her oh. as the Ark, you just see like the oh. lights. It's like there's fireworks going off in their in their yes. eyes, and their the puzzle pieces are coming together, <laughs> and they look at you in wonder, and they say, oh, man. "Wow, I didn't." even think oh, about that man. mary is the ark that's why she's sinless Amen. i mean it's like on, well brother. that's, that's why, why the she's ark assumed. well she's that's why the ark had to be pure not yeah. she's not pure because the ark was the yeah. ark was pure because she was pure because jesus amen mm-hmm. you know i gotta tell you a story guys when i was first introduced to the ark the the ark of the covenant yeah the concept of mary being the ark of the covenant was my buddy matt doula the marine mm-hmm you guys know my story, introduced me to Catholicism. We talked about how God has set us up. (laughs) I had just completed in my Sunday school class Mm -hmm. at Christ Chapel Assembly of God a series on Dr. R.C. Sproul's book, The Holiness of God. It's a great book. R.C. Sproul, for those who don't know, he he has recently passed away. He was a brilliant Calvinist theologian and professor and evangelist. He was a great presenter. But we read the book and we watched the video series, and he presents the Ark of the Covenant in a beautiful way. In my book, Behold Your Mother, in fact, I quote R.C. Sproul, Mm -hmm. because here I am, I'm learning about, wow, the Ark. And just to give you a sense of things, he talks about the famous text of 2 Samuel chapter 6 when David's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, the newly conquered Jerusalem, which he wants to make the capital of Israel. And he's bringing the Ark in in triumphant procession. And of course, Uzzah, who was a Kohathite, according to Numbers chapter 4, they were, they were charged with carrying the Ark, but no one could touch the Ark even to clean it except the high priest. Even though the Levitical priests, they had to carry the Ark by using these uh, wooden staves overlaid with gold that would go through rings on the outer portion of the ark, and they would carry it. Well, Uzzah and his two brothers... Poor Uzzah. I mean, oh, really. I mean, they're carrying the ark in procession and probably got tired, and they decided, well, we'll just put it up on some oxen, and nobody will, you know... Oh, my goodness. So as the oxen are coming in, their shoulders are rolling, and the ark is about to tip, and Uzzah, oh my gosh, we can't have it fall on the ground. He reaches out to stay the ark. And of course, God says, way to go, Uzzah. Thank you. No, God kills him. Strikes him down. Because he touches the ark, God. And it's not because he touches what's inside the ark. He touches the outside. He touches the outside, which is the ark itself. Now, of course, what's inside the ark, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4, tells us Aaron's rod, which budded, the Ten Commandments are ten 
words, dabar in Hebrew, and the manna are all types of Jesus Christ. He is the manna from heaven, John 6. He is the true high priest that the the miraculous uh, rod uh, that budded flowers represents. And he is the word made, the dabar of God, dabar Yahweh made flesh. That's what makes the ark holy. But notice it's touching the ark. God kills him. And R.C. Sproul, in the book that I just read and studied for weeks before Matt Dooler brought up the Ark of the Covenant, says, why would God kill Uzzah? He was just trying to do the right thing, man. Mm-hmm. He was reaching out to study the Ark, and he says, Uzzah was presumptuous. Uzzah believed he was cleaner than the dirt. God didn't say the Ark couldn't touch the dirt. God said man could not. Why? Because dirt obeys the law of God. Pour water on it, it becomes mud. Mm -hmm. It's man who sins, and man could not touch the ark. Why? Because of sin. Now imagine, I'm going through this, and I'm going, wow, this is incredible, man, the ark. And then I get introduced like a week later. Matt Dula says, you know who the ark is? It's Mary. And then he's showing me Luke chapter 1, verse 43, where (laughs) 2 Samuel 6, 9 is quoted almost verbatim, by Elizabeth, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? After she experiences a powerful manifestation of the new covenant ark when Mary enters into her home, and all she does is say, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm here. <laughs> At the sound of thy salutation, the babe leapt in the womb. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist is sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, because Mary says, hey, how you doing? And and that's what causes her to, to you know say, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? In verse 56, she, Mary remains for three months. We see in 2 Samuel 6, 11, uh, David experiences a powerful manifestation of the ark. Who am I that the ark of the Lord should come unto me? Has it the ark sent to the house of Abedidim for three months? I mean, there are others. David right. leaping before yeah. the ark. John the Baptist leaping. There are other. But this I cannot put into words for you gentlemen right now. Exactly what you said. The fireworks going off in my head and stuff. When Matt Dooley is showing me this, my jaw is dragging. We were in the Marine Corps Museum in Quantico, Virginia, and I'm going, oh, my. And I couldn't let on to him. Right. But he had my head spinning, and that mm. launched me in to studying more about this. Oh, my gosh. Mary is the Ark of the Covenant. If that is true, yes, she would have to be. I mean, I say this in my book, but imagine if Uzzah was killed just for touching the ark because of his sinfulness, what if the ark, let's just imagine, were to come to life yeah, <laughs> and become a living person, the Blessed Virgin Mary? Could we even imagine that Mary would be just as sinful as the rest of humanity? Right. Or that, that is, Joseph would have slept with her? So, I mean, all yeah, of these yeah, things. And then, stuff. of course, you have Revelation eleven nineteen, where we have the Ark of the Covenant in heaven, mm-hmm. right next to the temple there in eleven right. nineteen, which we know the temple is Revelation 21, 22. There is no temple in heaven. The temple is the Lamb and Almighty God. What is the temple? John 2, 21. The temple that he spoke of was his body. It's his body that's in heaven when John sees the temple in heaven in Revelation eleven nineteen, well, in the same breath, he also sees the Ark of the Covenant. Would that be that old uh, wooden box from Exodus 25, man out of acacia wood? <laughs> no, 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 but it's the one from Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> right. one. No, it's 
Mary, and not just Mary, but her bodily. I'm telling you, yeah, guys, her feet, her head. You know, they, we, bro, we just this blew my mind. This, I'm going. Oh my gosh, that yeah. revelation of the Ark of the Covenant was absolutely crucial in my conversion. And the orphan discovers he has a mother. Amen. Come so on. let's bring it. Let's bring it home. Yes. We've just okay. got a few minutes left. Sure. How does all of this about Mary? Because you know our listeners are, are a lot of them are dads. Um, like ourselves, yeah. but how? What does this mean for their home life? What does it mean for a dad with their oh, children? Yeah. Uh, what is? How does Mary affect? How do you cultivate a devotion right. what do you to do? Mary yes. in the family? You know what, brothers? There's so much we could say here, but I want to bring out this one point. Mary challenges men to the nth degree to become something that's really uncomfortable for us as men, and that is one who will say, "Let it be." We talked about this before, how mm-hmm. we, we are men, man, and our tendency, it's built into us, it's in our DNA. Our ten, what is our tendency? We've, we've been given testosterone, these guns, right? Uh, talked about in the talk, to go out, to protect, to provide. That's what we do as men, right? We have a difficult time. I jokingly said in the talk, this is why men don't ask for directions, right? right. Because... We do it our way. That wasn't got... a joke. That was not a joke. <laughs> that was real. It's, it is real. We don't ask <laughs> yeah. directions, whereas a woman has no problem. But there's a profound truth here. Mary shows us what it means to be man, to be mankind, right? So in a sense, Mary has to teach us what it means to be man because we men have a difficult time with saying, let it be done according to, surrender. to thy mm-hmm. will. Let it be done, Right so that we can attain our goal. See, we want to do it our own way. We want to do it, I don't need, I don't need. But in fact, our ultimate end is heaven. And in order to get to heaven, you need supernatural help. Mm -hmm. And so we need the Blessed Mother so desperately and the influence of the feminine in us, you know, the, the influence of the feminine for us to help us to be able to say, let it be done According, according to, to that word, word. Yeah. I think that's exactly right, because that's why God elevated a woman to the highest place of our race, Amen. because we need to receive. You know, as men, Amen. we're initiators of the gift. That's a good but, way to put it. But, but with relation to God, we are receivers. We have Amen. to become like Mary and yes. receive him. Not, we're not initiating our own salvation, yeah. you know, that's but right. we have to sit there and participate. We have you to become what? like her. And for priests in particular, because... The three of us are very blessed to have very holy wives. Amen. We're very yes. blessed Amen. to be able to see women living it right in front of me. I look at my wife in awe, and I go, oh, my gosh, I need to... Can't, can't believe she said yes to me. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and, and her prayer, I mean, she's up in the morning. She's praying. I'm going, oh, my gosh, there she goes again. You know, she's... She's definitely the more, we say that the female sex is the more pious of the sexes. Well, my wife is the more pious in our marriage. I'll guarantee you that. But I, I am very blessed to have that, and we are the influence of the woman right in our bedrooms, right? Our wives. Yeah. But for priests in particular, now, of course, we need the perfect woman in Mary, but priests in particular, if a priest does not have a devotion to the Blessed Mother, you have a very dangerous priest on your hands. Because without the influence of the feminine, men become monsters. Consecrate yourself to Our, our Lady. Amen. Yes. 
St. Louis de Montfort, St. Maximilian Colby, both are good. Do it. She loves you. She will bring you to Christ in a new and better way. Amen. Come on. Tim, man, it was so much fun to have you here. (laughs) I wish we had another. I had more fun than you did. No way. No way. Let's arm wrestle for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything else, Dave? No. All right. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Amen.